I've probably said it enough times that it's gotten old by now, um, but with Katie as a teacher, uh, and Laurel knows this full well, we, uh, we have a list of names that could ne- we could never name our kids in our household because Katie has had you know, bad experiences with those kids. And so when that name comes to mind, what also comes to mind? You know, little Johnny, who never listened, always talked back. And then what would happen if we named our kid little Johnny? You know, little first name, Johnny's his middle name. And what would happen if we named our kid that? Well, every time she all these, you know, emotions and thoughts and feelings about what little Johnny did um, would flood to her mind as she thought about him. Uh, and names, when we think about names, or, you know, when you hear a business, we talked about people's reputation, like God's reputation, and that businesses or people have a reputation, that when we hear their name, there's like certain things that come to mind. It might, maybe you had a kid in, when you were in high school or middle school or something, that was never nice to you. And when you hear that name, you just think, oh, like I knew someone that name, had that name. And it was, there. I didn't like them. It was a horrible time. And you know, so now you meet another little Johnny and you're just like, oh, are they going to be like the last Johnny I knew? Or, you know, you have a heart. Maybe there's you know, even this uh, kind of barriers between you and that person before you even get to know them. Um, and tonight, uh, what I want us to do a little brainstorming on is what comes to mind when we hear the name Holy Spirit, uh, because we maybe all come from, I mean, we know we all come from different backgrounds of how we've experienced the Spirit uh, through churches or through people in the past, or just teachings, or maybe just lack of teachings, so maybe nothing comes to mind for you. So we're going to do some writing for the Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll do black, because that's neutral, so we won't say what, whether what we write is negative or positive, but... What comes to mind when you hear the name Holy Spirit? Living, active God. Living, active God. Maybe that should have been the name for the series. That I know. <laughs> it could be. You, you, you can use it again. <clears throat> living, active God. Living, active God. Third person of uh, Trinity. Third person of Trinity. gifts, which can cause heated debate amongst people about whether the gifts are still in operation or whether they've stopped. So so just saying gifts could make you think like, gifts, our church always thought about that. Or maybe you feel gifts, the Spirit gives us gifts, you know, spiritual gifts. So. Power. Power. Tongues. Tongues, one of the gifts. Guidance. Guidance. Fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. We'll be covering that eventually. We'll be covering gifts and fruit of the Spirit eventually. Healing. Or healer. Healing. Promise. Promise. Are there any emotions that come to mind when you hear Holy Spirit? Emotions. Or lack of emotions? I think mystery. Mysterious. Huh? Mysterious. That's not really Mysterious. I was going to say something. Seconds mysterious. Uh, 
thankful. Okay, if you think no emotions come to mind, is that is anybody there? Like no emotions come to mind. I think for me, it's um, sometimes like I'm being pushed to do something, and it's like a gnawing feeling. Like okay, you need to do this. I'm like no, 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 I don't want to do it. And it's like you have to, you have to, you have to. And mm. Until you do it, this little voice doesn't leave you alone. So. So the kind of under guidance is like a yeah. um, so kind urge of or a prompting. Like yeah. Strong marker or prompt? What was that? Nudge? Yeah, same idea. Conscience. Conscience. Okay, last call. Love. Love. Okay. So that's what comes to our mind when we think spirit. Um, see any negative things on there so that's nice that none of us were like lame or so you know disappointed you know like maybe there could be negative but it's kind of it's a bunch of things that come to our mind but this is just wanted to be there as our starting place um, as we go through this series on the spirit um, called with us enjoying God's presence through the spirit uh, it's we talked about forgiveness for four weeks and the forgiveness that Jesus gives to us um, allows the Spirit to come into our lives. It's that there's a separation between us and God, and Jesus takes care of all those barriers, so now we, the Spirit can be present with us. And so now um, we want to ask, well, how can we enjoy the Spirit's presence with us? Because some of this stuff, I mean, uh, we can, we, it's possible that we could say, like, okay, that's a, the facts I know about this person. I mean, like, I know facts about you know, lots of people out in the world, but it's not that I'm necessarily enjoying their presence or enjoying a relationship with them. And so, um, not, it's not to say that uh, none of you are enjoying that, but how can we grow in our enjoyment, or how can we go from knowing about him to experiencing some of these things? Because uh, maybe you look at it and you're like, man, I would like to experience some of this stuff, but I'm not at this moment in time. And when you read the Bible, um, there's a lot of hype about the Holy Spirit. And when something gets really hyped up, like when you know somebody hypes up a movie or something, you go to it and you're like, eh, it didn't really live up to the hype. Um, and perhaps for some of us, when it comes to the Spirit, we're like, man, they seem really excited about this in the Bible, um, but it's not really living up to the hype in my life. Like, I'm, where is this crazy experience like we read about in Acts 2 or when we heard um, last week in Acts 6 and 7 of Stephen full of the Spirit and the things that he did. And uh, maybe you feel like uh, the spirit doesn't live up to the hype. Um, and there's this quote by a famous theologian um, named A.W. Tozer. Um, I think almost every pastor uses this quote at least once a year. Um, but it's in a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. And in the beginning of it, he, he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Um, and you could change it to say, what well, comes into our mind, I mean, the Holy Spirit is God, what comes into our mind when we think about the Holy Spirit is the most important thing about us. You can say one of the most important things because you could also add, well, what about Jesus and the Father? But, you know, what comes into our minds when we think about the Holy Spirit is a very important part of our being um, and is one of the, is the most important thing about us. We'll come back to that quote later. And the joy of this series is that we would grow 
and our enjoyment of God's presence with us through the Holy Spirit. So that when Holy Spirit comes to our mind, like we uh, have some of these things uh, that also flow in, you know, thankfulness. Are we thankful for the Holy Spirit in our lives, like Larry was saying? Um, do, do we have positive things that well up inside us when we hear Holy Spirit, when we hear His name? And today, we're going to learn about who the Spirit is. Uh, and the big idea is this. Uh, the Spirit is God with us, so we'll know God's love for us. The Spirit, we're going to unpack this statement. The Spirit is God with us, so we will know God's love for us. The Spirit is God with us, so we will know God's love for us. And there's different ways that we could come at um, who the Spirit is. There's different um, uh, themes in the Bible, but there's a one that is very core um, is the theme of the Spirit being called the Spirit of Adoption. That's one of the names he's given, the Spirit of Adoption. And throughout this series, we'll be coming back, um, I remember two weeks ago when we looked at God's desire, um, what he desires, he desires to make us his family inside and out. And so nervous to take this down, but I'll try it. Katie wrote on this. Didn't she do a great job? Cursive even, too, so that's neat. Um, so a theme we're going to come back to throughout this series is this is why the Spirit is given to us, to make us sons and daughters inside and out. He's the Spirit of adoption. He wants to make us God's family, God's sons and daughters inside and out. And so we're going to, this is going to be what we're going to see over and over again come back to this um, throughout this series. So when you think the Spirit, like what does the Spirit want to do in my life? You know, what's the, what's the theme that connects a bunch of this stuff? Gifts, tongues, uh, promises, and all urgings and promptings. How is all this connected? And it's all connected by this theme that the Spirit wants to make us sons and daughters inside and out. That's what He's wanting to do in our life. And we saw um, a couple weeks back um, that the what the Father plans, um, the Son accomplishes, Jesus the Son accomplishes, and the Spirit um, makes happen. And so when you think about our doc, adoption, the Father plans our adoption, right? Parents plan adoptions. Son, Jesus, doesn't plan our adoption. The Spirit doesn't plan our adoption. Fathers, parents plan adoption. So the Father plans our adoption. The Son, Jesus, makes it possible through his death. Um, and then the Spirit is the one who brings us into God's family. He's the one who makes us into God's sons and daughters inside and out and brings us into God's family and gives us new birth into his family. Um, and you, in some ways, and we'll come back to that in a little bit, um, back to that. But central, um, I was happy. It was the last call, and Josue said it, love. When we think of the Holy Spirit, the primary, one of the primary words that should come to mind is love. Um, because when you look in the Bible, 1 John 5, God is love. The Father is love. The Son is love. The Spirit is love. Um, and when you look at all the dimensions of love, like fruit of the Spirit, what's the first fruit of the Spirit? Love. And that's joy, peace, patience. And uh, right before the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says that uh, we're the Spirit's given to us so we can love one another. And how is the whole law summed up? Love God and love other people. And this is an expression of God's love He's already given to us. And even when you look at the gifts and the tongue, uh, the spiritual gifts, which are in 1 Corinthians 12-14, through 14, 
what's 1 Corinthians 13 about? Read it a bunch of weddings? Love. Yeah. So the thing that is supposed to um, be the defining attitude in the operation of the spiritual gifts is love. The, that, that's how um, the Spirit is um, wanting to make us uh, God's children who know His love um, and are expressing that love um, to other people. We have, and we're going to uh, say three truths about the Spirit, um, and basically breaking down that big idea statement that I shared before, that the Spirit, who is the Spirit? He is God, so we're going to talk about the Spirit is God. He is God with us, so we'll know God's love for us. Um, so we're going to kind of, not really a bonus one, but uh, he's, the, as Josue said, the third person of the Trinity, so we're going to say the Spirit is God, the Spirit is a person, and the Spirit is the seal of God's love. Um, he's the purpose he has is so we will know God's love for us. And so first, um, the Spirit is God. We're going to go over the Spirit is God and the Spirit is a person um, more quickly and focus uh, on the Spirit as the seal of God's love um, more thoroughly. But the Spirit is God. Um, I mean, it could be easy to think of the Spirit almost like the force in Star Wars, of like it's just kind of this thing out there or in us that you can kind of like tap into or um, something, uh, I don't know, a creation of God's that he sends to us. Um, but the Spirit um, is God himself. So when God comes to dwell with us, it's not God dwelling with us um, and in us unless the Spirit is actually God. Um, and the, the ways, if you wanted to go over Bible passages, um, the same arguments that are used to show that Jesus is God are used to show that uh, the Spirit is God. And so if you go through the Bible, um, here's three things that you could look for. Um, and, and I'm not going to give you verse references, but the Spirit is given names of God. So you look at the Old Testament. These are names that are used of God. And then you come to the New Testament. Oh, these same names are given to the Spirit. Um, so he gets names of God. Secondly, uh, the Spirit has the attributes and actions of God. Things that belong, things that only God possesses and things that only God can do, it's said that the Spirit possesses those same qualities and he can do the same things. So he has the attributes and actions of God. And thirdly, the Spirit is worshipped as God. That to dishonor the Spirit is to dishonor God himself. He's worshipped as God. And a great passage that um, many throughout church history have gone to to show that the Son um, is equal with the Father, that Jesus is God, just like the Father is God, um, and the Spirit is God, just as the Father is God, is Matthew 28, um, verses 18 through 20, which is the Great Commission. Jesus says, uh, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, uh, and make disciples, baptizing them in what? The name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's singular, name. Um, the name, well, it's the name of God, but God is three persons. So it's the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. So it'd be weird, like, okay, we're being baptized into God's family, and, oh, but there's the Father, and then there's these two lesser beings. We're also baptized in their name, too. No, we're, the equality is given to all three, Father, Son, and Spirit. All three are God. And so that is uh, what's true, that the Spirit is God, which is the first part of our big idea. The Spirit is God with us, that God himself comes to dwell with us, to be present with us. And the second is point is that the Spirit is a person. Uh, the Spirit isn't a force or you know, something that doesn't uh, have um, its own independent 
uh, abilities or feelings or desires, but the Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. There's Father, who's a person, Son, who's a person, Spirit, who is a person. And you can see it because the Spirit acts independently. Um, there's a story, I believe it's Acts 5, I didn't write it down, um, where uh, there's this couple, I'm paraphrasing, so I might mess up some details. There's this couple that come to give an offering um, to some of the apostles, and they sell something. They're like, hey, we're donating all this um, to God. Um, and then the, uh, Peter says, why did you lie to God at one point? And then he says, why did you lie to the Spirit at another point? And so he equates God and Spirit. And so the Spirit can be lied to. Um, a force can't be lied to. Um, uh, you know, just some power that's in us or floating around can't be lied to. But the Spirit can be lied to. Um, and then the Spirit can also be grieved. You see this in the book of Ephesians, that the spirit can be grieved, a person can be grieved. And so there's other instances where the spirit is given. You can do things to the spirit that uh, you would do to a person. Um, and we'll get to why it's important um, that we believe that the spirit is God and the spirit is a person um, later on in this message. Um, but thirdly, where we're going to focus our time and, and flip to Ephesians 1, um, it's on page 976, if you want to open your Bibles to that. Um, it's Ephesians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Uh, but the point here is that the Spirit is the seal of God's love. And the big idea is the Spirit is God with us, so we will know God's love for us. And the Spirit is the seal of God's love. Um, and, and you can know something on different levels. Like you can know something as like a fact, like, oh sure, I know so-and-so loves me. Um, but you can also know something in an experiential way. Um, so the Spirit does both for us. He both, um, in kind of like our minds, like it's like, yes, I know that God's loved me. But then there's also this, um, this feeling of God loving me too, that God, the Spirit lets us experience God's love um, and also like confirms it for us in our minds. So Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, we're not going to go through this whole thing. This is a um, a dense passage. Um, it, actually, these verses are just all one sentence. Um, Paul got very excited when he was writing this and just kind of kept going on about how blessed we are in Christ. Um, but that first verse, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And one way you can, well, what is every spiritual blessing? You know, what are spiritual blessings? I mean, another way you could say it is that He's blessed us with every privilege of being a child of God. He's given us every spiritual blessing. He's now brought us into his family. He's our Father. He's given us every privilege of being a child of God. And if, you, if we were to go through this passage in detail, we would see that uh, it breaks down showing us the Father's work, the Son's work, and the Spirit's work and, to, and bring us in the family of God. And so um, the first part is that the Father chose us for adoption into his holy family. And you see this in verses um, 4 through 6. So the Father chose us for adoption into his holy family. Father chose us for adoption into his holy family. In the headline verse, um, verses 4 and uh, 5 are um, kind of linked together. But if you just look at the end of verse 4, where it says, in love, in the ESV translation. 
It says, in love, he predestined us, which means to choose beforehand or to decide beforehand. Pre and destined, he's chosen to destine us uh, for what? For adoption as sons, um, in many translations add, and daughters, as sons and daughters through whom Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And so this God chose us before the foundations of the earth um, for adoption into his holy family. And he does it through Jesus. And so when you move uh, to verses um, 7 down through uh, 12, we're now talking about what the Son does. The Son redeemed us through his death. So the Father chose us for adoption into his holy family, and the Son redeemed us through his death. Or uh, in verse 7, you see the, the headline verse that he says, verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, what is redemption? It's the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. It's a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. But right at the beginning of verse 7 tells us what does the Son do? In him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses. Because the issue is um, some people, I mean, uh, the fact that God needs to adopt us implies that we were not his children before. Uh, and some people um, can get off track uh, in how they think about God and how they think about salvation by saying, oh, we're, we're all God's children. And my child, how I would never, you know, sentence them to be away from me forever because they did something wrong. Like, they're my child. They're always my child. I would always, you know, I'm going to welcome them. So people say, like, God would, you know, hell doesn't exist. No one, God could never do that because we're all his children. I wouldn't do that to my child. I can't believe in a God who would do it to his child. Um, the fact of the matter is that we are not God's children until we're adopted, brought into his family. Because uh, what the, the Bible tells us, um, we see in Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve um, chose to make somebody else their, their Lord, somebody else their God. Um, they followed the way of the serpent, um, the way of Satan, um, the devil. And you can see throughout the Bible um, that Jesus says, like, you people who don't believe in me, you're children of the devil. Um, you're just like him. You're believing lies and you're telling lies. Um, and you see in Ephesians 2, late in this, uh, later on, that he says um, that uh, people before they trust in Christ are sons of disobedience. Um, and so we have all, you could say that we're all uh, people who don't trust in Christ are children of the devil. And we maybe sounds like a harsh thing, but Jesus himself said it. You know, the one who is love in, in the flesh um, said that we are children um, of the devil before we trust in him. And so it's not um, God uh, having all his children, you know, he's like, I just love you all and so I'll save you all in the end. It's like we, all of us chose a different father um, and now God, it's almost like a DCFS Situation where God is taking us out of this horrible, abusive household and he brings us, he redeems us, he saves us from slavery in it and he brings us into his family. Um, and so we already have a father before we trust in Jesus, but it's not God as our father. And so um, that's the son's work and we talked about you know, in our whole For Us series, we need forgiveness. There's a separation between us and God. Our biggest problem in life is that we're relationally separated from God. Um, there's a barrier, a wall between us. And Jesus takes that down. When we trust in him, everything that would separate us from God, that would keep us from him, he takes down. And so when we trust in him, God is for us. 
And so before God can adopt us, he has to deal with our sins, our trespasses. He needs to um, clear us of those. He needs to reconcile the relationship so that we can come into his family. But thirdly, where we're going to focus is on the Spirit. And the Spirit, we see his work in verses 13 and 14. The Spirit seals us as God's own. The Father chose us for adoption into his holy family. The Son redeemed us through his death. And the Spirit seals us as God's own. And love, if you think about it, is uh, sometimes we kind of like swing the pendulum one way or another. Like love is this feeling. And when the feelings run out, then you know, the relationship is done. And then we can swing to the other side. Love is an action. It's always an action. It doesn't matter how you feel. Um, but really, it's both. Love is an action um, and affection. Um, it's the feelings towards somebody. It's the feelings of affections towards somebody. And it's the actions. Uh, and we, you know, in a, in a marriage or with the children, you know, in any, in, many, in any relationship, it's like sometimes I'm not feeling the affection, um, but we're still called to give the, the, the action. And somebody could, if you keep telling somebody, like, I feel all this love towards you, but there's never action, they're going to be like, yeah, but I'd like to see it a little bit. And so it's uh, love is action and affection. So the Spirit, uh, what we see um, with Jesus, and we saw it in, our, uh, in Romans 5, the reason we read Romans 5 before this, Romans 5, 8 tells us um, that uh, God... Um, shows or demonstrates or proves his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so that's love as an action, that God proves, demonstrates, shows in his actions that he loves us because Christ died for us even while we were sinners. And so that's the action of God's love. And so we see it in verse 7 of Ephesians. In him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses, that Jesus died for us. And this is a demonstration. It's the action of God's love. Um, but there's also the affection of God's love. And if we flipped back to Romans 5.5, 5, in, in this passage, Paul talks about his love shown in Jesus' death. But then he also says in 5.5, 5, God's love poured into our hearts. Not his love in action shown in an event uh, 2,000 years ago, but his love poured into our hearts, his affection poured into our hearts. Of now, we actually get to experience God's love and affection for us. And so if you look at Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, we'll, we'll read, just walk through those. Um, so these, uh, and how Paul says it happened, how did you experience God's love, um, Ephesians? How did you experience it? Because in love he predestined you for adoption, um, and now how did you experience it? Verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And the seal, uh, people um, in those times uh, would have, maybe there would be like a ring with a little mark, or they maybe have some separate thing. They would take all their most treasured possessions, they put this seal on it, and it would mark it as their own. Um, and we see um, in the Old Testament, God called his people my treasured possession. In the New Testament, we see the same thing. He calls his church, the people whom he bought with Jesus' blood, my treasured possession. And so God, um, when we hear the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and believe in Jesus, we get sealed uh, as God's own possession. We get sealed as belonging to God, as being one of his children 
Um, and what seals us? It's the promised Holy Spirit. It's not just that God is like, oh, I put a special tattoo mark or something on you. But he sends the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is the seal that we belong to God. And then verse 14, he says, well, what, what else is the Spirit? The Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And so the Spirit both seals us like God loves you. You belong to God. But also the Spirit, um, when we become God's children, we become heirs in his family. That if you have parents who have possessions or land or a house, or you know, they may plan, hey, I'm going to give this stuff to you as an inheritance when I die. Um, and so God, for us, the inheritance he has planned for us is an eternity with him, a new heavens, a new earth. He's going to make everything new. And you, he says, this is the inheritance you get. And so the Spirit is both a, God loves me. And that means I have this bright future. No matter what is happening here, all the you know, sickness and death and sin and whatever muck we're wading through here, we have an inheritance that we will inherit new heavens and a new earth. And Paul says three, several times in this passage, why has God done this? Why has he adopted us into his family? It's to the praise of his glory. And so the Spirit, what he does... Um, if you want to put it in words, as a seal of God's love, it's God saying, you are mine. And that's not just a distant, far-off thing, but it's the Spirit is given to us, and um, we'll see in Romans 8, that even when we don't believe it or feel it, the Spirit is bearing witness to our spirit, you are God's children. That God is saying, you are mine. And it's not just that we hear that from the outside, but it creates a bond from us to Him, too, so that we say, I'm yours. It's not just like, yeah, I'm hearing you say that, but we feel it, that I am yours. When I, uh, when Katie and I were, I mean, it, it fits well because we adopted Hudson, but um, when we were uh, working on adopting Hudson, um, after he was born, the first three weeks he had to spend in Wisconsin in the hospital, um, and we would uh, go, you know, you wonder, like, am I going to, bond with this kid, you know, I don't even know him. Like, Katie didn't carry him in her womb, so I haven't, you know, been, like, you know, interacting with him in that way. Like, we had this little picture of him, of his ultrasound, but it's like, you know, can, can I bond with this kid? Um, and we, uh, so Katie would spend the week up there taking care of Hudson in Wisconsin, and I would come on Mondays and stay till Friday, and I'd come back, and we'd have our gospel community dinners, and then I'd preach on Sunday, and usually Monday I would head back. Um, but the first week when he was born, on Wednesday, uh, he was born, so we went up, um, spent time with him, and um, sometimes I think you don't know how bonded you are to someone or, until you lose them or have to say goodbye or, or they get taken away from you. Um, and when it came time, we'd only been, you know, he was alive for two hours outside of the womb, so we'd known him for two hours, and by the time Friday came, I just was weeping. It's like, I need to be here for him. Like, I'm bonded to him. I need to take care of him. I need to protect him. Um, and I already have that, that bond with them. And it's like, I mean, we all know what it feels like to be bonded to somebody. It's kind of like an inexplainable thing of like, where does that come from? What does it feel like? You just know, I need to take care of them. Like, they are mine. They, you belong to me. And that's how I, I felt with him, even in those two, those two days. And it was like every week, I would just, you know, cry when it was time to leave. Because it's like, I need, to, I need to be here for him because I need to be the one taking care of him. And God, you know, I was... I realize how much I'm bonded with him, with Hudson. It's like, do I believe that 
uh, you know, you're faced with the reality of like, am I a more loving father than God is? And sometimes it's like, man, I don't feel like you really love me, God. And it's like, man, I feel so much for you, Hudson. Surely, you know, God's a more perfect, more loving father um, to me than I am to Hudson. And there'll come a time when, you know, I mean, I, you know, love many of the, I shouldn't say, I love all the kids in our church. And there's been many kids that I'm not a baby person. I don't know. When it was like college, my boss had a baby. And people are like, oh, the girls are, you know, excited. And I'm like, you want to hold her? It's okay. Um, and then when we, when my nephew was born, it's like, okay, yeah, I really want to hug him. And there's like this little bond. And now having Hudson, now I like really like holding, you know, babies that are born into our church family. But it was like, I'm not just like this super baby person, but it was like, he is, was mine. And that's, uh, that bond there just like pulled, pulled me in. And God, uh, and, G, and we can <clears throat> look, and another way to think of it is that, um, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, um, he died. And it was an act of God's love, a demonstration of God's love. But it's like, well, it's 2,000 years ago, you know. So it's kind of like if somebody would, um, if you're like sitting in a baseball game or basketball game, you ever seen videos where like there's like a proposal and it goes wrong and like the girl is like, no. And then she's like, can we talk about this? You know, and they run off crying or something like that. Um, but uh, if you were like sitting in a game, and this guy came out in the middle, uh, and he pro- gets down, he says all these wonderful things, and he proposes, but there's no girl, and you're all just like, who's he, who's he proposing to? Like, you, you're not going to feel these flutters uh, in, about this guy proposing, um, unless he's proposing to you. Um, and without the Spirit, at, at worst, we, Jesus' death is just this kind of irrelevant fairy tale or just a fact of history of like, yeah, sure, maybe this guy existed, and sure, anybody who existed died, um, and you'd maybe be like, sure, I can, I'll agree that he died. Um, at best, without the Spirit, we would be like, like, okay, yeah, Jesus died, and if you have, you read the Bible, you're like, yeah, I believe the Bible says Jesus died, um, and he died for sins. He died for sinners. Um, but what the Spirit does is he makes it. Jesus died for me. That. He wasn't just a death out there 2,000 years ago, but it makes it right now real to me, an experience of God's love, that that seal of, oh my gosh, it's for me. It wasn't just a proposal out into history, but it was, you know, in, in some ways a proposal to me, um, that it's, this is God expressing his love for me. And that's what the Spirit um, changes, is that you know, we, had, we had those three phrases that we said a couple weeks ago, um, that the Father makes the plan, Jesus makes it possible, and you could say the Spirit makes it personal, that it isn't just this death out there for sins, but it's a death for me, for my sins. So, when we come to this question that I mentioned before, A.W. Tozer, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Um, Why do you think that what we think about God is the most important uh, what, why is it important what we think of God? Why is it important what we think of the Holy Spirit? If we thought of God in the wrong way, what detriment would that have? And you know, just you know, throw it out there. Uh, what what you think? Why is it important that we think of the Spirit rightly, or anybody rightly?
Impact salary relates them. Should write that up there. Impact salary relate to them. That's well said. Yeah, if you don't think of somebody rightly, it impacts how you relate to them. define who we are. Define, so it impacts how we relate to them, but then also defines who we are. If we think of God in the wrong way, then we're going to think of ourselves wrongly. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. You know, if we think about God as, as meaningless, we can think about ourselves as being meaningless. So that sort of gives us purpose. Yeah. So it defines uh, perspective. Defines your perspective on God. Yeah. On everything, exactly. Everything. Yeah, I agree. On the world and who we are, who God is. If you know a person that is a mechanic and your car broke down, automatically, oh, that guy. Yeah. You, oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah you, if you think of somebody a certain way, it's like, that's what I call for this issue or go to them. Yeah. Yeah, those are three great things, which lead me into where I'd like us to, to focus um, as we think about, we talked about the Spirit is God, the Spirit is a person, the Spirit is the seal of God's love and what he wants to do. And so what's it, how do we, what are ways we treat the Spirit as less than who he is? Um, and maybe it's like, well, what's the big deal? Like if I treat the Spirit as God, if I treat the Spirit as a person, or I treat the Spirit as the seal of God's love who wants me to make, a, make me a son or make me a daughter inside and out. Like, what's the big deal? What's at stake? Well, if we treat the Spirit um, as less than God, then it's not God with us. It's God himself didn't come to be with me. You know, it's like somebody saying, you know, like, hey, I'm going to come and, you know, spend this time with you and I'm going to hang out and we're going to do all this stuff together. You know, I mean, imagine like a parent saying that. I'm going to come visit you. It's going to be great. And then eventually they're just like, I was too busy, so I sent my personal assistant to come and hang out with you. And, you know, they can do all the same stuff I was going to do, help you around the house and talk you through things. And I was like, but I, I thought you were coming. And so did God send us his personal assistant or did God send us a force or, like, you know, some sort of power um, that's just kind of, like, in us but isn't him? Um, then we have less than God with us. But the, the good news is that it's God with us, God himself. And so maybe think, you know, how would you think and act differently if you believed God himself was present with you at all times wherever you go, how would you think and act differently if you believed God himself was present with you? So that's if we treat the Spirit as less than God. If we treat the Spirit as less than a person, uh, if you think about, you know, I think we brainstormed with it on Friday. We talked a little bit about if you treat somebody as less than a person. Like, who do you treat as less than a person? Was that where we talked about that? Or was that somewhere else? Anyway, um... But there's people in our lives that it's easy to treat as less than a person. Like, maybe when you call tech support for your internet, like, 
you just talk to those people like you would never talk to anybody else. Or if you're at the cashier, what's their job? Just get my groceries in and give me the total and I don't really interact with you as a person. Um, and it's easy to treat people as less than people. Um, and they're just p things in our lives that are to be used um, for our purposes. And so we, uh, like Emma said, it, it impacts how we relate to them. If we treat the spirit as less than a person, as like, as like a GPS that we just want to hear a little voice in our head telling us what to do, or as like a magic eight ball and we do decisions, like, you know, spirit, tell me what to do here. And we just want to shake the eight ball and get a decision, or if we treat them... You know, as the tech support, we just call them when we need something. You know, like, I need this fixed, you know. And it's like we start seeing them as less than a person, someone to be used and not someone to be related to. Um, so what would change if you treated the Spirit as a person who loves you and wants to lead you? And I think maybe, uh, I mean, I think it reveals some of my difficulty with treating the Spirit as a person because I have an easy time saying the Father loves me, the Son loves me, but I have a hard time saying the Spirit loves me. Because it's like, well, 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 I mean, yeah, the Father loves me, the Son loves me. The Spirit, he's just kind of, you know, a floaty presence that can't love me. It's like the Spirit loves you. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Like, those are all attributes of the Spirit. That Spirit has been given to you. He has love. He has joy. He has peace. It's the fruit that he produces um, by... by giving those things to us. So what would change if you treated the Spirit as a person who loves you and wants to lead you? And thirdly, if we treat the Spirit with a lesser purpose than He has, which is, in our big idea, we said it's to, uh, the Spirit is God with us. Why? So we'll know God's love for us. Um, and if we treat the Spirit as having a lesser purpose, we're going to demand that He do what we want Him to do instead of asking Him to do what He actually wants to do in our life, which is to convince us of God's love for us, to help us feel it, to know it, um, to experience it. And we so often ask God to be a part of our thing rather than asking how we can be a part of His thing. Like, I know you want me to experience your love. And there's, we're going to end with this great prayer in Ephesians of, Paul praying, Spirit, let us experience the depth of Jesus' love for us. And the Spirit's greatest desire is for us to know how much the Father loves us. And he does that by showing us Jesus, showing that act of love 2,000 years ago. That um, I mean, there's many more acts of love, but the greatest act of love that God has shown is Jesus dying for our sins, God dying in our place. And when we think less of the Spirit, less of the Spirit than he is, we will thank him less. Larry said, he thinks of thankful when he hears about the Holy Spirit. Are like, you thankful for the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you thankful? Um, and when you think of the Holy Spirit, you just think, oh God, thank you so much for being with me, um, for sending me this person um, that I can interact with and relate to and who teaches me about your love. And thank you for the purpose he's guiding me on. And so uh, as you think about um, how to grow in these areas, thinking about him as a God as a person who wants to experience God's love, um, one question you can start asking the Spirit is, Spirit, show me how much you love me today. And let me feel how much you love me, how much God loves me. And so let's take a moment to just do that now, like actually talk to him as a person. Spirit, let me feel, experience how much you love me right now.
it's something you can practice throughout the week is talking to the Spirit like a person. Um, talking to God like a person. Uh, God with you like a person rather than a, like, here's my demands. I just would like you to fulfill them. But like, Spirit, what do you want me to do today? Um, how do you want me to feel more of God's love for me? Um, and one of the key images we're using in this series is we have this window um, with a little greasy curtain uh, to, because the spirit, two images for the spirit are wind and light, that the spirit is, kind of what Larry said, a living, active God. And wind um, does stuff. And when it moves, it does stuff. And the spirit comes into our life to do things. It's for us to experience God's love, for that love to be poured out to others. Um, but then light, he also shines the light of God's love for us is that we are dark and blind and deaf to it until the Spirit comes in and shines that light. Um, and so as we go through this series, we want to become a community that's saying, like, let's open up the windows. I hope by the end of this, um, there's about 10 more weeks um, that we're, we've learned, like, we've opened up the windows to let the light and the wind of the Spirit into our church, into our lives, into our marriages, um, into our neighborhoods, and into um, everything we do. So let's pray to that end. Father, uh, we confess that your spirit, you are the only one in this room that can actually change us, that we are here and you're here with us uh, and you love us. Would you let us um, see, experience, and taste more of your love each day? Would you help us to open the windows to your light um, and to your breath and wind? in our lives, in our community. In your son's name we pray. Amen.